Music for this podcast is by B-Shake and can be found at gemendo.com. Welcome on in to the Fired Up Podcast. My name is Matt Andrus, and today my special guest host is... Ryan Holscher. Who we have also nicknamed A.B. Army Brad. This is episode number two, and uh, we're coming back to you. Hopefully a little bit more knowledgeable of the episode. Um, as you know, in the last episode... I was saying that it was the 101st Logistical Studies Group. Jason <laughs> said it was the 303rd Logistical Studies Group. Jason was right. That's, That's why, he's why he's not here. <laughs> so, <laughs> kicked him off the show. <laughs> Should never contradict the director. So, uh, Ryan, just kind of give us your background on uh, being having a parent in the Army, I think you'll be a good perspective on the podcast here. Uh, so give us a little background. Um, I was born and my dad was deployed in the Desert Storm um, thing. That was, the first. Was des- that, was, that was when I was born. So I didn't see him when I was three, until I was three years old. Um, then my f- parents got married. My family moved on post and... Many years later, we moved around to Fort Bragg, which they mentioned in, in episode two, which was kind of funny. And uh, um, my brother was born there, and so uh, and we moved. We've moved around from there to Virginia, and then my dad's a lieutenant colonel in the army now. And so yeah, I've I've, I've got a lot of information, a lot of a lot of stuff going on there. Cool. So yeah, that that that's that makes this show more interesting to me, just from a somewhat experienced standpoint you know it, it, this kind of thing is what you when you're a kid and don't fully understand the army this is totally what you think your dad's doing when he goes to work every day so I think that's part of the universal appeal of the show to so many people great because currently I haven't really found anybody in my Facebook list who says yes I do watch the unit I keep saying I listen to my podcast and I go What's the unit? And I'm like, wow, it's this great show that you should watch, and you should listen to my podcast, because you love me. Is it working? No. But we did advertise on Facebook. That we did. And, you know, we got two subscribers afterwards, so we can only presume that the two events are related. Yes. Actually, I received... I actually posted a... um, I made a post on the CBS website under the unit, like homepage, their message board, saying, would anybody be interested in a the unit podcast? And somebody came back and said, heck yeah. So hopefully he's listening. Um, if he is, please email us. And we may read your email on the show. We like to hear that people are hearing us. Yes, even... <laughs> The very first email we get pertaining to the show, I mean, we've got one already. From, from Well, it wasn't from the unillegal version. 
We had a little uh, copyrighted version that I let some of my family listen to, and one of my aunts emailed me, Aunt Elaine, back in Kansas about it and said that she would probably check out the show because it sounded very interesting. But now that I've put uh, not-so-illegal music onto the show, I've made it public. Now that we're all, you know, nice and legal and not get sued and whatnot. Right. Because, you know, we're totally making millions off this. Exactly. Good old, good old millions of dollars made off this podcast. No, actually, we're currently making zero money off this podcast. It's just a hobby of ours that we enjoy. Aren't we technically losing money off of it, then? No, we haven't lost money. Yeah, unless... We haven't really spent anything. No. Except time. I guess power bill, maybe. Yeah. I was but... on my computer five minutes longer than I was going to be. So, yeah. So you owe me money. Because you're at my house currently using my power for the podcast. So, I am podcast. so you know, yeah. I could unplug and end the podcast. So, no, you'd podcast by yourself, I suppose. Yeah, but I'm sure it wouldn't be as interesting. So, that said, let's go into uh, Season 2, Episode 2, Rundown. Uh, Which we uh, just watched, so we're extra fresh on this. The opening is uh, Bob having a dream about he, him being on a mission with the team, and one by one, each team member is getting picked off by gunfire, and then he wakes up, and he's in bed. Actually, he's not really in bed. He's on a mattress on the floor, because none of the furniture has made it there yet. And... You know, rolls over, makes the comment, this bed ain't big enough for the three of us. Yep. Is he Molly? Not Molly. He doesn't sleep with Molly. <laughs> that would be a little awkward. <laughs> Kim. He and Kim and his daughter are in the bed together. And he has to go off to work. Um, outside, he meets up with uh, Molly, who tells him that the team have been sent out Friday before. And he seemed kind of confused and about that. And she brought his. Th- she told him that she surprised him by making sure their furniture was going to be there that morning instead of tomorrow. That's right. Which I totally remember this kind of thing happening. When we were there, we spent like a week without like beds. Oh really? Was, you were yeah. on base. Yeah. yeah. Your furniture really does get confused with other people's stuff. Oh. Do you yeah. ever get other people's stuff? Oh yeah. Do you keep a, it? a truck will come when they tell you it will come. Whether or not it's the right truck, not always. <laughs> Do you ever keep people's stuff? No, no. you oh. don't keep the people's stuff. Well, that's probably good. <laughs> uh, so then he goes into uh, he goes into the base. Well, he's on the base. He goes into work uh, to find out that he's been left with the task of doing combat loading. And then they explain combat, load, combat loading as putting together a pallet. So that, that you have everything ready for a combat scenario, prioritized. Oh, yeah, what they were saying is dart, uh, dart 
Ammo before dark boards. Meanwhile, it uh, goes to Africa and uh, the Jonas, Mac, Charles, and um, Hector. Everybody except Scott or whatever his name is in the show. Bob. Bob. Scott's his real name. Scott's his real name, yeah. It's better than you saying Sean. <laughs> I like scrubs. Can you blame me? By the way, Ryan's our residential expert on scrubs. Thank you. We could do a podcast on that. <laughs> I'm sure they have several podcasts. <laughs> I'm sure we'd have a good one, too. Well, you find that they're retrieving a... Looks like a Chinese type satellite that has been thrown to the ground. Or actually, probably just uh, decaying orbit. You know, they wear yeah. out eventually, fall, fall down, land yeah. in wherever they were. So you find out they're looking for a component that's radioactive. Uh, Jonas and Mac are on the lookout while Hector and Charles are getting the component. Uh, while they're Getting the component, a hostile vehicle is approaching. Um, Max starts firing at them and taking them out while Charles is retrieving the component. Eventually he does, and he and Hector drive away. Bob is We already went over Bob going to work. He cut back to Hector saying, We're taking fire! And Jonas says, have they hit anything vital? Negative. Then quit your complaining. That's what I love about Jonas. He always has the one-liners. Yeah, he really does. You should you should think about doing a segment, Jonas's one-liners. <laughs> we'll do a montage. Montage. Record them all and just play them. <laughs> We're like, what? Well, so anyway. We'll end it with, that's all states stand. Right. Uh, before that, the uh, truck had stopped where the team had been at the satellite, and they go over to look at it, and a European-type man walk, comes out. Um, Which is pretty noticeable, considering they're in Africa. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, they took the component. I want that component. I will not leave without that component. Because he's in love with the component. Right. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, so they're on the run. They're being chased by the guys, the bad guys with guns and the European. Um, the European. And um, Mac is looking through his um, binoculars and he notices that. Wait a minute, this guy is no ordinary European. He's, he's on the watch list. Or... Yeah, the terrorist watch list. Watch list. His name is Patrick Collins. Um, and it sounds like he's done some stuff with anthrax and whatnot later on. Did they make a, at least a reference to it? Didn't this come out around the time that that was going on? Or a little after it? The no, show start? I think that was before then, because I was still back. Yeah, you're right. I think it was like a year or two after, still. Just a general ter- terrorist reference. Right. Show. Oh. Then Jonas says that he wants to deliver this man to the president. So they're not to kill him, and they're going to set a trap. Because, you know, they're like, well, we were here to get the satellite part, but we got this other guy here, too, and we wouldn't really be doing our macho soldier job if we didn't try to nab him, too. And not to mention, I'm pretty sure they'd get in some pretty big trouble if they left and 
Some are like, hey, you saw him and you didn't nab him? Right. But they could have just killed him. But I think they wanted to uh, question him. To find they they were probably told before on the watch list, you know, soldiers, if you see this guy, try to kidnap him or capture him. Uh, then we go back to the base. Molly is at the army psychiatrist. Uh, pretty much she is claiming that she made the shots into the mirror, not Jonas. That's kind of a big deal on army posts to shoot at anything. Right. Plus, <laughs> if they found out that it was Jonas, they'd probably kick him off the unit. Yeah, for stress-induced Plus, being high, being way too high-strung or something, or signs of it being too much for him. Right. Which she can clearly tell and is trying not to give them anything to... Oh, and I think it was hilarious. The uh, psychiatrist was um, reiterating what she had told him. So he goes, So you saw a rat running through the house. You picked up your husband's gun, shot twice in a cluster in the kill zone of the mirror. And she was like, Yes. That's what I do. You totally see some cutscene somewhere. What can I say? My husband taught me how to shoot. Yeah, really. I'm the husband. I'm the wife of a husband. I'm the wife of a husband. I'm the wife of a husband. That's very unusual. We'll have to look into this. So she's talking to him about that, and he even wants to reiterate. Well, okay, we're just two people talking. What happened again? And she goes through it again. Says the same story. He's probably trying to catch her on a slip-up in her story. She knows She knows. there's no just between two people here in the unit. <laughs> not not in a scenario like this. Right. Uh, then we go back to... Oh, yes, and my favorite line in that part was, would you lie for your husband? Or would you lie to cover your husband? Absolutely. She, actually, she says, of course. And he goes, are, oh, you, yeah. lying? are, you, li- are you lying now? And he goes, Good. She goes, of course not. Yeah. Uh, then we go back, and Bob's doing the uh, combat loading of the pallet, and he gets a message from his wife to come home. And right after that, the colonel comes up with uh, FBI agents. FBI stuff shirt. So first, uh, uh, Ryan says he's here to investigate what happened with... Uh, what happened with the plane in Idaho? Yeah. And at first, uh, Bob thinks, oh, you don't have to give us a commendation. It was nothing. And he says, no. We're no, determined it was. He was, he looked at him. He was all nervous. And he's like, you don't have to, you don't have to give me any special recommendation. It was the whole group, which, you know, he automatically assumed this was a, that's oh, why it was uh, a commendation. Him, a com- an accommodation for himself. Oh, no. uh, yeah. And then he finds out that actually they're determining whether or not to prosecute the whole team. And him being the only one here. <laughs> yeah. So then we go away from that, and Bob goes home, um, and he finds out nothing's wrong. He thought something might be wrong. He gets really ticked. Takes it out on Kim. She tries to explain to him, what are you talking about? Let me explain. He goes, I don't want to hear it, and he just leaves. Which, you know, earlier that morning they hadn't been, or at least he'd been a little short with her then, too. That's true. Because he couldn't find his shirt or whatever, which I totally remember those at home, too. Oh. Which I'm kind of surprised he didn't have to go to work in uniform. (laughs) Well, you're probably a little bit looser being in a unit. Yeah, and they're supposed to be under the logistical studies cover, but 
Yeah. yeah, that's one of the few inconsistencies I've seen with the thing. Because my dad's had desk jobs. You still have to go in in your fatigues, but it's still the same. Or not? Yeah, but it's still the same conversation. Have you seen my green shirt? <laughs> Which green shirt? They all look the same. What I like? <laughs> the one where they can't see me in the bushes. <laughs> the green and brown green shirt. <laughs> okay, back in Africa. <clears throat> The bad guys stop and find a spare tire and water canteens, so they think the team is going to go to the water hole, which is basically what they left for them to find. And um, then you see the team, <clears throat> they're at the water hole getting ready for the um, bad guys to come. Uh, Hector and Charles are setting up two decoy looking mannequin-type things in one of the jeeps so that Mac and Jonas can go off and snipe. And, yeah, surprise ambush attack. Right. Which, you know, you totally don't think is going to work And when you look at the actual dummies, but they make a line about how it, how is it, how is it going, and he says nothing but, like, artistry left or something like that. Yeah, nothing but artistry left or something to that effect, like you said. Uh, but then my favorite line is, um, don't shoot the white guy. Yeah. He's our, gift. He's our gift to Washington. Don't shoot the white guy. Yeah. And then, yeah, you notice when they do that scene, the funny part is they just show you the two not white guys on the team. They just keep panning <laughs> back and forth between them. It's a very political uh, it was, way. It was a PC it was way of saying it. it. Was a not, the, not the white guy. It was a PC <laughs> racist joke, I think, basically. <laughs> Oh, so anyhow, um, then we go back to the uh, investigation. They're talking to the the FBI agents talking to Bob. Um, basically, he's saying there's a thing called the pos- posse comitatus, and mm-hmm. you don't remember this. The posse no. comitatus until. It's, it says basically they don't take control until it's suspended. Oh, yeah. I think the thing that I went over in the last episode. Yeah, right. Over and over. Yeah, I hear you. I understand. <laughs> so them going in before that point would be illegal. And also, if you remember from the first episode, Jonas goes... They definitely didn't wait for the jumbo jet with the 30 other people to show up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and Jonas says, if we do this right, he takes all the credit, referring to the FBI agent that they were talking to then. Yeah. If we get everybody killed, we get court-martialed. So let's not get everybody killed. Yeah. Good old Jonas. Um, during this whole time, uh, Colonel Tom Ryan is in the room, too, just kind of staring Bob down while he's being questioned. Then we go back to... The cave. That's, that's the room, oh, isn't yes. that what it's called? The Batcave. To the Batcave! Uh, then we go back to Africa. Jonas and Mac are lying out of sight. Guns ready. Hector and Charles are with the Jeeps and the decoys. Um, the bad guys approach. The gunfire commences. Yes, I'm reading part of this. Uh, Jonas and Mac start firing at their targets taking out the, the jeep. Um, Hector. Which, 
Yeah, that's when you actually see the one jeep to take out later. They shoot the jeep that's working. Right. Oh, yeah. The one working jeep. You see it happen there, but you don't notice. And after all the don't shoot the white guy, they shoot one of the guys in the turret. He swerves and it shoots the white guy. Right. They didn't do it for the record. (laughs) His own guy shot the white guy. Yeah, that's right. He gets. (laughs) Yeah. Good point. Um, then one of the bad guys, quote-unquote bad guys, uh, he takes Patrick, the European, behind the truck and says, don't shoot, and he knows that they want him alive. He's a terrorist and whatnot. So he starts uh, trying to bargain with them and says, if you give me the component from the satellite, I'll give you this guy. And then Jonas immediately attempts to start stalling because... They need that, and... Yeah. Well, before that, it goes back to the base. Uh, Kim gets the truck, gets a truck of wrong furniture. Yeah. Like you were saying, that can happen. And, yeah, that that scene was just interesting between her, an interesting exchange between her and Molly right there, because you can tell how flustered she is, and she's like... She tells the guy, it's not your fault, and Molly just goes, well, it's not my fault. Yeah. She goes, I'm not saying that. Yeah, I'm just saying, I can make another call. Please, no more calls. There's one of those moments. Stop helping, please. Apparently when you help, things go wrong. By the way, this episode is called Stress. For a reason. Okay. Well, basically, well, then while they're having this conversation, you see this car drive by and... Everything, everything stops right there. Yeah. And I'll start watching it and... If you've been on post, you know what this means, too, at least in a wartime. Which... Now, what is it called? The cons- consol- They're the condolences. I don't know the technical name for it, but they're basically the condolences people. The army's official, we're sorry for your loss, guys, that tell you that your relative is MIA or KIA or something. Right. So then it stops with that. Mm. Yeah, they all watch. And actually, that's where, when I was talking about the Bragg mention, oh, that's right. the Fort Bragg. It's in North Carolina, for those of you who don't know. Hmm. Right, Fort Bragg's actually cursed. <laughs> <laughs> What's the curse of Fort Bragg? The, apparently, if, you, if you're if you assigned there, you can never you can never really leave it. Uh, it always, is it like the Hotel you, California? You end up, you end up getting offered to go back a couple times, or you'll end up eventually, inevitably, getting signed, signed getting reassigned there again. Or... Is it like the Hotel California? No, no not not quite. Okay. You, you do get to leave. You just keep coming it's just back. Like a vacuum. Yeah. Or boomerang effect, I guess. Okay. Um. Then we go back to Africa again. Um, Charles is working on the. He's working on taking the component out of the satellite. And he did something interesting that I didn't quite understand at first, but they kind of explain it later anyways. He uh, takes the component out, and then he has Hector throw him his watch. And he breaks open the watch and puts some part of the watch in. See, I thought that was brilliant when I saw that, because I knew they were, they were going with that one right away. Yeah. But the thing I caught just watching it today was he checked it with the... the not the gamma meter, the... Geiger counter. 
and the Geiger counter reader wasn't high enough, so then he asked for, I think, the compass. And was then, it a compass or someone else's watch? It might have been somebody else's watch. I think it was a compass, but it doesn't really matter. It's something else with uranium in the, to make or it glow. Radon or whatever. Uh, yeah, right, radon. Or, and I think we put uranium in watches. Yet. <laughs> I think that's what they said it was. Uranium. Is it? It could be. I don't I don't know. Anyways. I'm not a watchmaker. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's that's the whole section of there. Uh, then we go back to the army officials leaving the house of Keisha. Uh, her husband's died in Iraq. It was his second time out. The ladies of the neighborhood come to console her, um, as you would expect um, them to do. Did you see a lot of that? Yeah. I saw Kim knew her, and that's, you know, they mentioned Bragg again there. And No, I mean you personally when you were on the base. Oh, had I ever seen someone, the condolences? No. Oh, okay. Because when, when we lived on post, it was in, at least, not, not that I can remember I didn't. Because while I lived on post, it was peacetime everywhere. Oh, okay. Uh, then we... Uh, yeah, so Akisha gets up because she gets upset. She's like, I don't want any of you people here. You should just leave. She walks into another room. Uh, Kim has kept saying that she knows her from Fort Bragg. So she goes into the bedroom to talk talk to Keisha and kind of just sit with her. And then we go back to... Oh. There's something important there you don't want to skip over. They do another moment, one of those important moments where they show the hard part about being secretive about the unit. That comes in a little bit. Oh, it does you're later? Jump, yeah, you're jumping ahead of yourself. At this point, she just yeah. goes in and kind of connects with her. Because then we go back to Bob yeah, and the yeah, right, FBI right. agent. Uh, the agent asked Bob if he was a part of the assault on the plane. And um, Bob eventually goes, actually, no. <laughs> I was... Beautiful. What? Beautiful, beautiful technicalities there. Yes. He's like, no, I wasn't. I took out the sniper. And actually, Ryan chimes in and he goes, as he was ordered. Yeah. And Which is important right there, because then he's just acting on orders. Right. Which is what he's supposed to do. Which, Which means they can't bust him for it. Right. And he goes, there's, I think Ryan says something, there's other units members' names on the report, isn't there? And he's like, yes, where are these men? Ryan's like, well, they're deployed. They're all deployed, yeah. And he's like, well, when can I expect them back? I'm uh, not sure. When do you have to have your report in? Yeah, something like that. Well, actually, first he goes, well, that's classified. When do you have to have your report in? Oh, by the end of the week. And then Ryan just kind of shakes his head no. Like, yeah. In other words, that was basically a whole, gee, I don't know. How long do you have to do this for? Week? <laughs> oh, sorry. There'll be a week and an hour. <laughs> so then then we go back to the scene you're talking about where Kim and Keisha are talking together. And uh, Keisha finally is talking to Kim and is getting frustrated and goes, well, your husband came back from the war. And what does your husband do now? He works yeah. for the 303rd Logistical Unit. And what does that mean? Yeah. Basically, and he sits at a desk. I, I, I love I love their name, the 303rd Logistical Studies Group, because it is just the whole most mind-numbing, pencil-pushing kind of name for a group you can get in the Army. 
That's like the worst of the worst. It's it basically yeah. You can just tell by the name. It's gee, we're a bunch of pencil pushers. Oh boy. Yeah. And yeah, that's another one of those why it's hard to keep the unit secret moments because you're like, no, I can identify with you, but everyone else thinks that you've got no one in danger. You've got a husband who works an hour away writing boring reports all day and comes home. Okay, this is the quote I took from it. You don't know what it's like to have a husband in forever combat. And you're just thinking, okay, what is she going to do? Because last episode, she was kind of very wishy-washy about keeping yeah, yeah. secret. Almost told her sister and whatnot. Yeah. And this episode is kind of a defining moment of your unit life. And she goes, you're right. I don't know what it's like. Because you imagine what it's like. It's like, of course I know what it's like. He's going ever, every day, blah, blah, blah. Let's say, my, my, my husband's more dangerous than yours is or was. Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah. Um, okay, we go back to Africa again. We're going back and forth. Yeah, backing uh, up those flyer miles. Yeah. Charles has the component ready, and... Um, then and Jonas has been conversing back and forth with the the guy, stalling him basically like eh, yeah. I don't know we gotta think about this for a while because we can't take him, right? And then he makes sure since he knows the component is ready to go, he makes sure the European is still alive. Um, then the 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 bad guy who has the European guy Patrick um, says. Okay, so I'll give you the European for the component and a Jeep out of here. And they're like, whoa, that wasn't part of the deal. And he's like, well, you either get that or he dies. Because, you know, he realizes, well, he's been bartering this whole time. We might want to get away from the guys with the guns in the advantageous position and whatnot. Yeah, and they pretty much, their truck is shot, literally. And they And they don't want to... They don't want to stay there in you know, in in the middle of nowhere with no, no way to get anywhere. <laughs> they don't want to get captured either. Basically, yeah. So they concede. They go, well, we got to have this component. We want to have this guy to give it to the president, give it to the Washington. Um, so I also don't want to give in too quick and be like, oh, yeah, sure, here. We, that's what we really want. Right. So Hard sure. Charles and Hector bring the uh, Jeep over with the component and give it to them. Meanwhile, uh, Jonas and Mac stand up and let them in, have their guns pointed at all times. Yeah. And yeah, Typical hostage exchange type scenario. Right. And then the bad guys drive up with the component, the fake component, and they actually tested it with a Geiger counter. They tested it with the Geiger counter went off, and you're like, gee, how'd they do that? Yeah. So then shortly after that, they're going to leave, and Mac radios in saying, uh, the truck is dead. They shot a, they put a shot through the, was it the engine? Was it their truck that they traded for, or is it their own second truck? No, they had two Jeeps, remember? Two of them were in one, two of them were in the the one. The one Jeep, they, they gave them their Jeep, and the Jeep that had had the decoy dummies on it was the one they'd left. Right, and, and that's the one that had a big old hole in it, so they couldn't go anywhere. Right. So the word to the rest of you in a shootout: check your jeep <laughs> before you give away the good one. Oh, so then Jonas indicates they're going to have to go to their fallback rendezvous, which 
on some fancy little cloth map. Yeah. It's apparently 19 miles away, so then he gives them all their orders to pack up and move on. Right. And we go back to the psychiatrist's office with Molly and... So is she visiting him a second time? I could I was kind of confused about that because she'd just been at the other house and whatnot. Yeah, I think she was coming back. Was just, she revisiting? Just they, for formalities. Yeah, they kept saying they were talking about her this time, so maybe they'd call her back to the first time they'd been interrogating her about him, and then this time, since she claimed it was her, they're maybe just interrogating her. Actually, it also could be this. In this, in this uh, scene there, the psychiatrist is having her sign a form that she was being truthful, so it could just be a little... Yeah, just call back, hey, you wanna... And then yeah. uh, he mentions, you know, retirement would probably relieve the stress. I'm not saying yeah. what he's talking about. Didn't she mention something about the the stress wouldn't end till the job ended or whatever? Oh, something. And after that, she realizes she thinks she shoots herself in the foot because then he goes, so, thinking about retirement? And she's just right there like dang it because you know yeah. what have I done as soon as they hear about that's how delicate the unit is as soon as they hear you're thinking about leaving there I'm like well if you're thinking about leaving you're going to be leaving yeah. so then um, it goes back to Bob his questioning ends the agent is being escorted out by Ryan and he turns to him and goes this isn't over well thank you for coming by and all back Courtesy yeah. stuff, and he shows the agent out. And then he asks Bob, "You got something on your mind?" He goes, and I think Bob just kind of stands there. And uh, Ryan, Tom Ryan goes, "Yes, I threw you to the dogs." Uh, no, I thought he said he didn't throw him to the dogs. In technical terms, he used him to draw fire. Right. I thought yeah. he said he did, but it's not the first time I've been wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know, we'll have a new host next week. Because <laughs> you're right. <laughs> um, basically, he says, I sent the team out because they're the ones that assaulted the plane. You weren't on the plane. You were here to draw fire. And he goes, well, then why didn't you tell me beforehand? He goes, you're a hothead. He goes... Because you're new. Yeah, you're new, you're a hothead. He you're goes... wear out the time, but that's what I needed. I needed you to be abrasive and aggressive and uncooperative for this guy to make him cranky and leave me alone. Yeah, you have a very good memory, by the way. It was, yeah, it was, it was pretty special right there. <laughs> uh, so then we have the uh, gas station scene where Colonel Ryan's there, Molly and Tiffy are there. He mentions that he made a call to the furniture place or the furniture truck and had them send over the wrong. I think he clues in that he was a part of the wrong... The wrong furniture showing up. Yeah. Which is funny because it also also links to that other theory earlier, like when we were watching the show, and I asked if if they explained what was up with the note later. Yeah. And your theory that he might have intentionally been responsible for that mistranslation too, just to make him craigier. Yeah. First, it's, okay, I'm not going out with my team. I have to load this ball. And during that, some of the other guys are making fun of him because of his right. team's been deployed. Another team comes by and goes, didn't they send your team out? Which is basically saying, ha-ha, why are you still here, punk? Neener, neener. So, yeah, I think it was a grand scheme to get him riled up. 
let's see. Molly tells Ryan that basically in no uncertain terms she stuck up for Jonas because she thinks he needs to be with them. And he thanked her for that. Well, first he mentions about retirement to her, meaning he's already heard from the psychiatrist about that little tiny remark. Oh, and oh. she says he needs to be with you. He, he, what he needs is what you need, which is to be with the it's men. Him. Yeah. And then also you see a short glance between Tiffy and Colonel Ryan during that time as well. Yeah. Um, then we they have, did a. Yeah. yeah. Um. Tim tells Bob that the message was to call home, not come home. They both kind of apologize to each other. This is when Bob As soon comes as they saw each other, yeah. Um, also, you have Molly making arrangements for the funeral for Keisha's husband. And you have Tiffy talking on the phone. And you find out she's talking to Colonel Ryan. He asks, are your kids still at your mother's? She's like, yes. He's like, can you meet me? I really need to see you. Um, which you know is just feeding us episode 2 a little more of that relationship right and for all you scandal lovers out there yeah so that increases your curiosity then we go to um, well they set up a meeting for that night the two of them a rendezvous then uh, the last part is we have the team flying back home. They have the uh, they have the guy. He's kind of resting. Everybody and else is asleep. Earlier, I think we accidentally went over. We missed it. They had a different scene in the plane where they were when they or was that when they took off with him? Oh, when they'd been picked up. Him and jo- Jonas basically says, "Okay, from here we're not really on duty any- anymore. We're done. We've got you." Yeah. Mission closed. Here you go. Here's some water. Because we're not torturing it. Yeah. Basically, they were respecting him as a human being and saying, we've done our job now. We're not going to. We've got no beef. I've got no beef with you anymore now that I've captured you. Right. And so now they're going over that again. Apparently, Jonas took his watch at some point. Yeah. So he gives it back to the guy. No, he didn't take his watch. He gave him the watch just to. Well, I thought the guy said, nice watch, and it's it was my father's. What did Jonas, Jonas say it was my father's? And then gives it to him. Uh, it was a gesture of goodwill, I think. Something. So, it was a sentimentality or something. Yeah. Kind of a warrior to warrior. Um, and then he asks for something to eat. Jonas gets up to go get him something to eat. Everybody else is still asleep. Then you, Jonas turns around, everybody's waking up, and the guy's gotten up, opens the plane door, jumps well, you, you hear the thing opened already, don't you? Well, yeah, you hear it. The Which is why he whips around, and the guy jumps out of the plane. Calls to his death. Comes to his death, so he can't be interrogated or anything like that. Tortured. Yeah. Could be avoiding that, too. <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of the end of the episode there. Fade to credits. Wait, wrong movie. Uh, Yeah. Not a movie. It's a TV show. Well, I watched it on a DVD, so it's the same thing. (laughs) Okay. Okay, George. 
So, yes, that's the end of episode two that we watched. Which um, brings us to the end of the recap yes. <laughs> segment. End of the recap. Um, did you have anything to add about the episode? Oh, I think I pretty much said everything I could. So, oh, one thing I wanted to add was the ending of this show was basically, okay, we went through all this work. Yeah, to get this guy, we lost a jeep, we crushed our watches. What I was going to say is one of the reasons I like this show is it's real. They don't always succeed at their and missions. They do, yeah. Or they'll succeed at their mission, but something else they try to accomplish was all for naught. They're, they're not James Bond. They don't leave with the nuclear device, the codes, explode the enemy base, and find a new girlfriend oh all right so i think that'll we've kind of talked long enough this is probably going to be longer than our first episode but that's good Uh, our episodes are awesome (laughs) we've enjoyed having a b here army brett and uh we hope to see him again or hear him again just a couple updates if you want to email us our email address is fireduppodcast at gmail.com f-i-r-e-d u-p p-o-d-c-a-s-t at gmail.com did I say gmail or hotmail before? I think you said gmail okay it's gmail and our website I think we're in the preliminary stages I'm having trouble getting the podcast up on iTunes so I'm thinking about switching the website to be fireduppodcast.wordpress.com instead of the blog spot. Well, for now, this is where we are. We'll be in both places. We'll be in both places. Maybe I'll try to do a redirect. Yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll do a redirect link or something. Um, Oh, yes, and we had this idea since we had so many blunders in this episode. We are putting together a blooper reel of this episode, and we'll try to do so in future episodes. We'll make that a separate download on the page um, on our website. Hear, hear what you didn't, what we didn't want you to hear, but decided you should anyway. Right. Us being idiots, which we kind of did already, but you never know. But it's funnier when you hear this one. So yes. Yeah. So please, we would like emails. If you don't email us, I'll have him start spelling it in the military alphabet, which will just waste more of your life listening to it. (laughs) Um, Also, there's a uh, short segment on the show that we'd like to start doing, which is shout-outs to people we know that are overseas serving us or went overseas and came back, and we're serving that country over there. We want to say... Thank you so much. We appreciate what you do. I know there's controversy about it, but um, we want to show our support for you and um, doing what your country set you forth to do. There's probably people screaming at the computers now. I don't know. Most people watch this show. I don't know. That's true. Whether they'd be for or against. We should email us about that. Tell tell us. Do you are you pro or anti-war? And if you if you watch the show. Yes, that'd be an interesting thing to do. Or I can put a poll up on the website later. Yeah, that too. 
Okay. Um, first person I want to make a shout out to is First Lieutenant Groover of the 40th Expeditionary Signal Battalion. Uh, hey Ben, it's good to uh, talk to you on Facebook. Hope you're doing well. Thank you for what you're doing. Come home to us safe. There's some people who were over there, but I don't have anyone over there now. Can we talk to them? Or? Oh, I talk to them. I talk to people who are over there now, and they're just careful of what they tell me. I just meant about the shout out things. I know what it's like to actually talk to people over there. I know somebody going to Afghanistan in May. Oh, wow. Does he go to a church? No. He's my other friend, Matt. Oh. The second shout-out goes to uh, Sergeant Sandoval of the 4-64 Armor Battalion. Um, I went to high school with uh, Jimmy and maybe James now. I'm not sure. But uh, thank you for what you're doing as well. And I think you're home, but I'm not sure. If you're not, come home safe. You should give us a call about that home-not-home status. Right. Right. (laughs) If you want to be on the podcast, we would love to have you. Jimmy actually uh, told me that, well, Sergeant Sandoval, he told me that the guys from the unit came and visited them. That had to be cool. Yeah, he said they were really neat guys, really cool. Any banners from Allstate? (laughs) I'm sure he was peddling insurance while he was over there. Because, you know, that's totally what actors do. That brings, up, that brings up another thing. One of my dreams for this podcast is to have one of the regular cast members on the show that we can interview you over the phone or something on our podcast. That would be just awesome. I realize right now that we maybe have two people listening to us. So <laughs> We love maybe. you, viewers, listeners, whatever. Maybe when we have tens of listeners. I said tens, not tons. Those, those are big dreams right there. <laughs> then you, we can have them come on the show. At very least, maybe an email from one of them would be pretty awesome. Oh, yeah, an email. Then we're going to get 5,000. Well, not 5,000. No, I'm just saying 5, from the actual regular cast member, a real email from one of them would be a good starting point if we can't even get all the way to the interview. Okay, so how do we verify that it's actually them and not somebody just randomly emailing us saying they're like getting... We get emails. (laughs) 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 Might be a lawyer email saying, you didn't ever say that, but, you know. Dream big, my friend, dream big. (laughs) One way to get him to start listening to the show. I didn't say that. (laughs) Well, you have to listen to the show to whether whether or not we're making stuff up. (laughs) (laughs) so until next time hey what about the whole keeping me thing we'll keep you actually Jason will keep you we'll keep both of you Maybe we should make a note at the end just for the record for all of our listeners who are terribly worried Jason did not get fired because Matt was wrong and we are out
dumb. They are stupid enough. They don't listen at all. But you know, better you are. Such a good example for all these children who grow. Super okay, super ahead, super now.